Hello, Tune In listeners. It's Tune In, radio for your mind, body, and soul. And I'm your host, Keila Parkinson. And we are speaking, as we do every week, all about the mindfulness. And we have so many ways that we get into mindfulness. And of course, today we have another amazing guest who is coming to us from an organization. And, you know, before I even say her name or the name of the organization, I'm going to lead with this great quote about the org and about her role there um, from her LinkedIn page that says, Freedom together brings the power to heal. And that leads into so many amazing things that they do in business, in the world, in that intersection of family, community, work, and value. Please help me welcome to the show from Minority Moves and Empower, Christy Amendola. Christy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. And then I just realized, I forgot to ask you, am I saying your last name right, Amendola? Yep. You are. It's perfect. perfect. You did it <laughs> so glad. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. And so Christy is joining us from also the Midwest, right? The others or yes. yeah. I live outside of Chicago in a suburb right. outside of Chicago. That's right, that's right. Yes. Um yes, that's right. And so uh, you know, we're like we're both neighbors of the city. So hi neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Our show on WVLP, of course, is um, broadcasted from Northwest Indiana, but we go all over the globe and your organization also helps people in a variety of places. So tell us about minority moves. Yes. So Minority Moves Network is an organization that is focused on workplace equity. And it really started out of uh, the the pressures that we all felt in 2020. Mm-hmm. So we had the COVID-19 pandemic and you know how, how that affected different communities and different people groups um, in different ways. We obviously had the murder of George Floyd and the social unrest and, and yeah new and different conversations around race and equity. And then we had women particularly leading the workforce in droves because of no childcare, um, schools shutting down. And so those experiences were really introspective for our founder, Eric Stanley. And it was, it was those experiences for himself as well as I was also going through them. And when he called me and said, you know, I can't do this corporate job anymore. I can't continue to be one of the few black men that I see in my roles across sales industries and then look at my kids and and have Mm. faith for the future Mm -hmm. um, and for their opportunities. So do you want to do this with me was basically his question. And I said, (laughs) yes, Um, which, you know, I can get into my background and sort of why it was so important to me. But, you know, for us, what we've uncovered is that organizations can't find diverse talent, or that's what they'll that's what they'll report. Um, and if they do, they don't stay. And mm-hmm. so organizations organizations are asking how do how do we handle this talent crisis? How do we diversify our workforce? Yeah. And then how do we have our employees stay and grow and and have fulfilling careers with us? And then when we talk with individuals, particularly individuals that we define as being underestimated. Um, individuals what they report is there's a lack of career mobility mm-hmm. they don't get the opportunities that they they feel like they're ready for um they're not finding fulfillment in their careers they don't know how to find a career opportunity that really matches their skills and allows them to grow and so our solution was to create a mobile app um, because technology is the we think the best way to connect people in large in large numbers to 
a new solution, which is a skills first way of looking at talent acquisition. So employers learning how to identify the skills you need and then for candidates to learn how to signal those skills to employers. Mm -hmm. Just for a second, let's unpack that phrase skills first, right? Because I think a lot of employers would come into this conversation with an awareness that says what what passes for awareness, right? That says, of course, we're skills first. We put the skills we need right there. Applicants need to have them. We're checking for that, right? Maybe we have bots that check for that first and the resume. So of course, we're skills first. But as you know, and I know, that's not exactly true because of um, unidentified present bias, right? And um, all kinds of other reasons. So Christy, tell us about what that looks and feels like and how we can start to become, if we are people who are in the hiring end of it, right? Or, you know, also as we're presenting ourselves, if we're the ones who are in the, um, the job search end of it, what does it really look and feel like when we, we think we're skills first, but we're not? Right, Yeah. right. So, you know, t- Going back just a bit, what what I'll share is that 98% of candidates are eliminated from receiving a call or an interview in most job searches. And that is because over time, um, over the last 20 years or so, we have really begun to rely on college degrees as our first mm. screening tool. Sure. So for most jobs, a college degree is required in that initial interview. That does not mean that many people that currently hold that position have a college degree necessarily, or that the skills needed to perform that job are skills that you've learned in a university for your degree setting. But we've used it as sort of a proxy for skills. Sure. Oh, if you have a four-year college degree, then we assume that you have these skills. Mm -hmm. What we're learning is that's not necessarily true, and the workplace is is rapidly changing, right? We are in the midst of a major digital transformation. Many of the skills that I, for example, learned in my four-year undergraduate program are not skills that I now use in my workplace. Right. Um, I've had to learn new skills. I've had to upskill myself. I've had to participate in upskilling. I've had to identify different skills that I've learned in other places that weren't work. I love that. What have I, yeah. what have I learned in life? You know, right. I say all the time that, you know, life as a mother has taught me a lot of skills yeah. <laughs> that are pretty valuable. I mean, nobody <laughs> more than a mother knows how to manage priorities and yes. manage projects. Uh, that are ongoing and overlapping, right? I mean, and how to today, serve a I had team. To make dinner. Yeah, right. And do the podcast. Yeah. And drive someone to school. <laughs> right. And register them for their activity. All today. It's All. Only yeah, right. It's only one thirty. Yeah. <laughs> right. The day's nowhere near over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, so, what are those things that we've learned in, in life and work and school? And so, because of those restrictions, um, and, and requirements that we've kind of, I think, as a society, just taken for a baseline, we've excluded a lot of people from the workplace. Yeah. Over 60% of U.S. workers do not have a four-year college degree, and over 75% of black and brown workers do not have a college degree. Mm. So if employers are saying, we want to diversify our workforce, we want people with of different races, ethnicities, genders, then then you have to look at the workforce and the talent pool differently and you have to have a different way of evaluating your candidates so skills first is a way to say these are the skills that i need an individual to do it mm-hmm. doesn't matter where they learn them 
It doesn't matter if they worked for Google or they worked for a small tech company that I've not heard of. It's identifying the skills and putting the pedigree and some of those biases of what we've come to believe to be true about a candidate aside. Right. And, you know, I think, too, like just to have the bridge in this conversation, right? I think a lot, I personally know of people who are employers who they put that in there, for instance, one of the reasons, right, is because there's a kind of like professionalism of training, right? There's like, you're also taught oftentimes, depending on what kind of degree you're going for, like how to behave yourself with, you know, conduct yourself with decorum in an office place setting, right? How to maybe work as a team with group assignments, things like this. Um, Maybe you have actually taken through like an MBA course or whatever, or some sort of other business course, something to do with like business communication, right? I know when I was in college, there was a course like that, that I took just as like, you know, um, actually, I think it was one of my fine arts electives because it had something to do with um, language, right? So it hit that and it was just, I was curious about it. Um, But I know that that can also be the case for, you know, attorney often have to take a course that involves that sort of thing, right? So a lot of times, if even if you're, you know, if you're moving, if you're looking to go into an office place and what we would consider, quote, white collar, right, then you're there, sometimes that is part of the decision making. But again, tell us more about what that leaves out and how it leaves a workplace that is homogenized in a way that is negative and actually can be a liability rather than an asset. Because there are pros and cons to everything, but it's really important, I think, if we're going to be mindful and aware of our team setting and how we're using this intersection of skills to think about it much more than just this is what we do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you know, one way you can look at it is if if 60% of, of workers don't have a college degree, that's 60, that's also 60% of your potential marketplace customer base if you're, if you're a corporate leader. Yeah. If you don't have anyone on your staff or your team that it's thinking about that group of people that can understand, can relate, can represent, can share insights about it, you're missing more than 50% of the population that could be a potential customer or user of your product. So that right there is an example of why for leaders, it's really important that you have an employee and a team of employees that can represent and provide perspectives from all of the people and people groups that you might want to connect with. That's very well and, put. Yeah. You know, if we're just if we're just adopting a very narrow frame, you know, I'll just use sort of your example of professionalism. Yeah. That example of professionalism is a definition that is really built around you know, the principles of white supremacy that, that have become standard in our society. Very true. And we, we use the term professionalism um, to, to define it, I suppose. But it doesn't, it doesn't represent all cultural values. True. It doesn't represent all perspectives, um, all, all different ways of navigating and, um, and working. So... You know, we have to, it's just like expanding the talent pool. We have to expand the definition of what does it look like to work together as a team? What does it look like to communicate with each other as a team? Um, And so along with that, I guess switching gears a little bit, there's also the piece of helping individuals have that conversation in a safe and culturally responsive place that allows them to start to build that skills first profile. 
it's not, you know, we can't, we don't just want to support the corporation, which is super important. That's yeah. part of our business model is supporting the corporation to figure out how to adopt the skills first. But then the individual needs to say, what are my skills? What is the value that I bring? What have I learned in, in work, but also in life that I want to be able to share? What's my superpower? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and transforming that story into something that is really compelling for employers. I love that so much because, um, you know, we're, we're unpacking skills first is what we said we're going to do in this piece of the conversation <laughs> is that what that really means. But I hear you also really talking about how it is intrinsically the human worth that also is applied to this skill. Like someone has earned and learned this skill set through their personal life experiences. And so, you know, in, in some ways we could be two skills first and just focused on that and not think about what it brings to the team. But I also really love what you're saying about, you know, what does it look like to communicate as a team? Because, you know, just on the flip side of this whole like pros and cons with quote professionalism, right? Another con would be that oftentimes we're talking about um, suppressing all feeling and just putting work first, right? And not having like outside family commitments and all of that can be like highly coercive and not actually productive in the community. And so um, tell us more about how Minority Moves and Empower is working to to shift that. And then we'll talk also where people can connect with you, but tell us more about, about this For piece sure. first. Uh, yeah, you know, so it's interesting. I've just been diving into this report that um, Deloitte put out mm. a couple of weeks ago, and it's it's called The Cost of Covering Parts of Your Identity. And and I think it's a really good example of, of what we're talking about here, and, and so I'm going to touch on it a little bit. You know, they, they use this term covering, mm-hmm. and they talk about the cost of, of what it is to cover parts of your identity in the workplace. And, and what are the limitations, therefore, of productivity and engagement on on the individual employee side and therefore the entire the corporate entity and you know they talk about i'll use myself as an example you know covering being a mom mm-hmm. for example um I, I was at a i was on a panel um a couple months ago when i was the one female on the panel there was two other men I knew before the panel that we were all parents. We had spoken about that, you know, as we were getting to know each other before the panel. But within the panel discussion, I was the only person right. that talked about being a parent <laughs> right. on that panel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was pretty intentional about it, to mm-hmm. be honest, because for me, I, I would say looking back, I didn't ever have a very good example of what did it mean to be a parent and to be a worker. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how I didn't I didn't have very many examples of that in my life. And so when I am doing professional things, I like to bring in the fact that I am a parent as well because I think it's important to set that model. You know, it might also be simple things like your cultural attire. Maybe it, there's there's yes. clothing that you wear in your culture, but it's again, it's not perceived as professional. So you're so you're sort of covering that piece of you Mm -hmm. uh, that if you had permission, you might feel the most comfortable in that, but you don't, so you you don't cover it. Um, And it even extends, you know, the the cost of it extends even beyond the individual. So you have your own individual cost, but then there's also the cost of reinforcing it. Uh, You know, I remember being younger in my career and reinforcing this idea of, 
you know, women in the workplace need to be perfect. Um, they need to work harder than everybody else. Yes. And they have to definitely not admit that they have any interest in having children or have children. Right. That was a message I had received when I was younger. And I thought that was the way that I needed to present myself in the workplace. And as a young manager, that is the reinforcing message that I gave to the people that mm-hmm. I was managing. Sure. Um, so it was not only a cost to myself, it was a cost to those people around me as I reinforced that I that ideal. Yes. That, you know, yeah, you cover that. You that cover that. that, right. Yeah, recently right. I was thinking, I was like, I really want to put like some sort of like social media post about this, but probably I won't. But I really, <laughs> I want to see some, something that shows like rom-coms have it all wrong. You know, women aren't actually cho- cho- having to choose between work and romance. We have to choose between work and family and romance mm-hmm. is where it begins. And so it's not like I don't have time for a boyfriend because I have a career. It's, no, I have to choose between these things and mm-hmm. and we don't ask that of male counterparts right um so right. yeah and so that right there is a real clue like oh this is not there's no equity in this and mm-hmm. let's talk too just about that word equity and what that means tell us about that and why it's really important that we use the term equity right so there's a really good visual i think that explains equity the best and it is of three individuals that are of different heights that are standing on different size stools so that they can all over a fence. Okay. So I'm a very, very short person. So <laughs> I'm going to need a taller stool than maybe somebody who is six feet tall. Yes. To be over the fence. We need different things. Yes. To get to the same place to see over the fence. Yes. It doesn't have to be equal. If I have the same size stool as somebody who's six feet tall, I'm either going to be too short to see over the fence. Right. Or that person is going to have a stool that is so tall that, you know, their waist is hitting the fence, not <laughs> right. Not their chest. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. right. Okay. Um, so, so equity is about understanding. And this, this kind of goes back to that initial quote, actually, that you said. It's taking the time to understand and listen to what individ- each individual and or people group needs. Mm-hmm. We can't make assumptions that what we all need is the same thing. But if we can all find that freedom, to use that quote, to identify what it is that we need to be able to see over the fence, then together we can all see over the fence. Oh my gosh, I love that, But if we don't identify that, then some people are seeing over it and some people are not. And how are we all going to be able to then input, you know, let's just say we're looking over the fence to you know, check out the new building. We, we can't all provide input if we can't all see the new building over the fence. Yes, right. And if that's what your assignment is, how do you access that? So this is really good. And just in case you're just now joining us later and you have missed the quote, the quote is what, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong quote. I've written down too many quotes from you in this amazing conversation. (laughs) (laughs) The quote is freedom to, okay, now I can't read my handwriting. Freedom together brings the power to heal. (laughs) And this is our conversation with Christy Amendola on TuneIn, Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. I'm your host, Keila Parkinson, and our show is underwritten by Kiki Productions, Inc., Communications Coaching, teaching exercises to help you cycle out of fight or flight in the moment. With a mission to create individual harmony to add peace to the world, Kiki Productions, Inc.'s philosophy is when you are confident, focused, and authentic with your message, you are a magnet to those you wish to attract. Find out how you can speak your truth with love, excuse me, at coachkiki.com. 
You can also find information at substack.com, two newsletters, Build Better Humans, and Coach Kiki's Substack. And those some of those are work-related, some are family-related, and some of them share some content. So um, all kinds of fun things there. And um, so this conversation that we're having with Christy Amendola of Minority Moves and Empower, with it's the it's the letter M and then the word power connected, right? Going for Minority Moves, um, this amazing, great uh, digital space that also translates into the translates into the real world in real time. That uh, Eric Stanley and Christy Amendola are creating, and founder Eric Stanley. You'll find all kinds of fun information about him on their website. So uh, we're going to tell you where you can get that information as well. But I want to go back to this great metaphor that Christy was just sharing with us about equity and why it's important to bring it into, I think, not just the workplace, but everywhere, right? So if you're listening to the show, you're an ongoing listener, maybe you're like, hey, I'm retired or I don't, I'm not in the workplace right now. Um, so how can I apply this aspect of mindfulness to my day, right? Uh, we are all in community in some way. It could be a neighborhood association. It could just be having neighbors, right? Um, it could be like some volunteer activities, uh, you know, a church group, a youth group, uh, the YMCA, right? Um, so I can say for sure the guides and teachers and coaches that work best for my kiddos when I bring them into any extracurricular are those who will understand that instead of saying like this is the playing field everybody needs to show up and bring this you know and if you don't have it you're not making the grade and you're out right like it's just not the kind of extracurricular that we vibe with because we are looking for somebody who is going to actually teach them in a way and guide them in a way that recognizes each of these kiddos has different strengths and assets from a business standpoint again this is our personal SWOT analysis right what do we bring to that table and we show up with it and so then different people need different aspects you know my kiddos did softball re- or baseball recently and um they had never been on a baseball team and they needed so much extra attention from their coaches and the coaches never gave them any passive aggressive like oh i gotta work with this kid again they knew coming onto the team that these kids had never done this they were going to need extra stuff if the team was to function together they were going to have to find ways to get a little extra time with these kiddos one-on-one, right? And I loved it. They were amazing. They stepped right up to that plate, literally and metaphorically, and, and helped my kiddos learn much more about the pitching and throwing and, and swinging and all of that and catching. And I'm so glad for that. So, you know, it's so interesting that so often in a workplace setting, we say, this is what we're looking for. We just need worker X to do X, Y, Z. And if they're not hitting it, then blah, it's on them or we're going to replace them with someone else. And then the same people with that mindset often go, why is there so much turnover? Right, Christy? Yep. (laughs) So that's where Empower comes in. Okay, so tell us now, let's get into, let's segue from that into what it is that you and Eric Stanley are building and how people can access that. Yeah. So we are building Empower, which is the name of our app, which connects underestimated workers with job opportunities using a skills first format. Mm. So we are building the tech right now as we speak. And so if listeners are interested in being one of our first users, first testers, then visit our website, which is www.m2n.us. And you can sign up uh, and ask for a beta invitation. And when the app is ready, you will get an invitation to join and create a profile and get in there and start accessing content. Um, and leaders and corporations, they will be the next phase. So first it will be candidates. And then the next phase that we build will be for leaders and corporations to 
connect with those candidates. So first we will start building that supply and then we will have the demand from, from the corporate employer side. And you know, part of the reason of, of starting with the, the supply piece and the candidate piece is because we know that it's really important to provide a culturally responsive place for individuals to access these career opportunities. You know, people will say to us, um, you know, you've got LinkedIn, you can search by skills on LinkedIn. I mean, wh- why are you going to go and try to create something that I guess can oh, uh-huh. with the, the Goliath of LinkedIn, for example? <laughs> and, you know, our response is if LinkedIn could really make a difference in expanding workplace equity right. and having more diverse and underestimated people in the workplace, they would have already done it. They certainly have <laughs> right. the money, they certainly have the numbers, they certainly have the opportunity. But that's not the direction that they're going. You say into. that's not their and mission platform, right? They've never said that, or right. yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. And and so you have to. You, we believe that it's not just about um, creating a job board. It's about creating a different conversation about mm-hmm. how people interact in the workplace. Nice. And you know, we speak with a lot of students college students, college-age students, and we heard a story at one of our visits that was really telling for us. A student said to us, when I am looking, when I've been looking for my first job, what I do is I go to the career center and I get the general information and I go to the, you know, the information session and whatnot. Then I take that and I go to the Senator for Diversity and Inclusion. And I say to to the leaders and mentors at that center, okay, now how do I apply this to me? It is very Mm. clear to this student that the rules are not the same, Yeah. right? The size of the box, the equity is not the same. They will need to approach getting their first job slightly differently. Maybe they don't have as wide of a social network. Maybe they don't have as many internship opportunities. So they need to be able to draw on things that they've learned in life. And kind of to your example previously with your students, maybe they're really involved in their church and develop a lot of skills doing that. Right. Maybe they took care of their grandmother every summer. Mm, What are the skills that they have developed in doing those caretaking responsibilities? Maybe they had to work retail every summer because they didn't have the opportunity to do an internship. They need to make money to pay for books for the next fall. There's a lot of really valuable skills that you learn in retail that you can apply to any customer service role in any corporate job. Yeah. So helping individuals tell that story, identify those things, understanding the value that they can bring to the corporation that may not be what is traditionally talked about in most conversations about how to get your first job, how to get that first manager role you know, making those steps in those career paths, yeah, um, providing that authentic and accurate information um, and understanding that all people groups are not the same. Yes. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times I think uh, people in both ends of this conversation, right, people who are hiring and people who are job seeking are afraid to talk about how caring for grandma, you know, every summer or, you know, for a whole year or whatever, 
really did create skills, right? Someone brings it up and they think like, I think I'm supposed to say this, but I don't feel confident about it, right? And somebody hears it in an interview and says, oh, well, isn't that nice? And gets really patronizing, right? And like, but we're talking about, quote, real world here, kid, right? You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And that yeah. is, it's unfortunate. And I'll say this, I'm going to take a drink of water first. I'll say this, which is that um, I just had this, um, I don't know, some like SNL skit in my head kind of thing. That's how goofy I get sometimes. But it was like, wouldn't it be funny if you really, really asked for what you really, really wanted from an employee, right? Because we really want so much service. And I was like thinking like, instead of office manager, it would be office momager. Like you come in every day and you make sure there's new toilet paper in the bathroom. We need somebody who's going to check in on how somebody's doing at home. And you know, did they get enough sleep last night? And make sure that, you know, their favorite kind of coffee is there. The kinds of service you would give your children at home if you were really a leaned into mom, right? We need you to come into this office and do that. And also make sure we have everything we need in the kitchen and all the office supplies that we need and that you're finding the best budget and all the coupons, right? Like I read, that's what people really, really actually want in a really good office manager. And if we actually recognized that and we're asking for it in a way that was real, we could take somebody who gave in that kind of service from any place, right? Whether it was a volunteer coordinator at their community, you know, group or church or whatever, or somebody who had just raised five kids, you know, and been really great at it and loved the heck out of all of them. I would love that person to run my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, it's funny that you say that about sort of the real world. And, yeah. You know, this all sounds great As on we a say. podcast. Yeah. Really play out in the real world. Yeah. You know, in all transparency, I mean, that's that's my biggest, you know, source of imposter syndrome is, mm. you know, I took time off from the workplace. Right. And... And you get shamed for it. Let me just jump right in and say, that's what happens when women return, quote, return to the workplace. Even though we haven't left, we just stopped earning income for what we do. Right. Let's get really clear about that. We keep serving society. We just don't get paid for it. Okay, go ahead. Exactly. And I I internalized that message of shame. I absolutely internalized that message of shame and felt like the skills I was learning in non-paid roles were less valued than and skills that people were learning in paid roles. Right. And it's taking me, and I say taking with an ING, yeah. because I am not through it yet. <laughs> it is taking me time to undo that message. And and I, I tell this story a lot, you know. So Eric, the founder of M2N, and myself, we went to college together. And we kind of lost touch in that middle phase of mm-hmm. our lives when I was at home and, and taking care of my kids. And I think part of the reason why it really works for us right now to do this together that he remembers the person I was before uh, I internalized that shame. Yeah. And so his belief in me, especially when we started this, was far greater than my belief in myself. Mm. Um, so so the, the real life pressures of talking about your skills that you didn't earn at Google, for example, <laughs> right. I always use that as a yeah. term. Yeah. Is real. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have we have to we have to normalize that conversation yes um and it's kind of funny that you talk about too the, the snl skit I, I, I think we should do i think we should write it i think that'd be pretty good yeah <laughs> um, about asking for what we really need you know one of the things we do a lot is we have a, a workshop that we offer to, to groups often it's for college students or affinity groups or community groups about how to identify an inclusive workplace mm-hmm. and it kind of goes to this point if you just come out and say well is your workplace inclusive 
everyone will <laughs> they say, say yes of course it is so wonderful <laughs> you know we have, we have international food day on you know yeah. <laughs> march 3rd um and so what we do with the group is is we walk through what are ways you could ask that question to actually get to the behaviors that you would want to identify you know and some of the examples are you know what if I'm if I'm interviewing somebody, if I'm being interviewed, I would ask the interviewer, um, you know, what do you do if if you have an idea that's different than your bosses? Like how uh-huh. how would you approach that? Great question. People will tell you real. You'll know real well uh, whether or not they have <laughs> have permission to yes. dissent. That's what we we use in our in our company. Permission to um, dissent. I want to say that again because that's really good, right? And that's a that right there will tell you the whole company culture, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can you share an opinion that is different from the norm? Can right. you dissent? Obviously, respectfully, not it, disrespectfully, right. but can you share something that is that is a differing opinion? Um, the other thing that we talk, we ask a lot about is, you know, if I'm, you know, that's that question at the end, like, tell me, you know, now it's your turn for questions of, yeah. so tell me, <laughs> tell me about what you're excited about working for X, Y, and Z company. Yeah. And listening to see if the answer is about, we so we are poised mm. for growth we are going to do this we are strategic about this initiative or is it a they mm. is this individual who is interviewing you do they feel as if they are part of a we ah, or something that is yes. collective and communal or are they a, are they sort of that traditional worker bee and it's they right. are doing every all the decisions and i just you know i just do what i'm told and go home and <laughs> right know, hopefully forget about it over the evening. <laughs> right. So, you know, those right. are two examples of, of uh, to your point, you do have to figure out ways to ask questions to, to reveal what kind of environment are you getting into. And I think for leaders, those are good questions you could ask internally, even outside of the hiring mm-hmm. realm. But, you know, if you're surveying your employees at the end of the year, Figure out if those things exist in your company. Yeah. Because as the leader of the company, you may think they exist. Maybe your direct reports are able to dissent. Okay, right. But you get down to that middle manager level, that might not be happening across teams. So identifying if that's happening, because if there's a lot of workplace turnover, it can help you or you're struggling to hire, these are things that are can be indicators of, of yeah. what needs to be changed and adapted and evolved in order to create a more inclusive culture. Yeah. And, you know, we can only see what we know. So it's so great, yeah. right, to have that bigger picture. Christy, what you shared with us about, um, you know, that imposter syndrome first, thanks for sharing that, right? And also that's exactly what makes you and, you know, Eric, your experiences and bringing these to the table, it's what makes you really qualified to create this platform. So thanks for doing all of that. It's so great. Our guest Thank today you. is Christy Amendola of Empower and Minority Moves, which is a great digital app that is being created right now. We're going to share all kinds of more information about that in our second half of the show. Right now, I want to just remind you, you are listening to WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live around the world at WVLP.org. Our show tune in is 
underwritten in part by Kiki Productions, Inc. Communications Coaching, teaching exercises to help you cycle out of fight or flight in the moment. So check out everything there at coachkiki.com. And I want to say we are about to welcome a new underwriter to the show, Interfaith Ministries. You can find them at interfaithministries.com, I believe. I believe it's not .org, but I will double check that very soon because we're getting that great blurb from them. And we want to say thank you very much to Interfaith Ministries. So our show, as you know, is about mindfulness in all of the ways. And our guest, Christy Amendola, is helping to create this great space, this digital space. And I want to ask you, Christy, to tell us, oh, you know what? Before I even get into this, I want to say also to anybody who's finding us in podcast form, right? If you're hearing us on the radio and you haven't, you can go to anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio. You can find records of the show so you can listen to it on demand, share it with your friends. Um, our show does air every Saturday and Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Time on WVLP. So you can always listen live no matter what you're doing. And if you go to that podcast form, there are some great other conversations we've had that really also inform what Christy's sharing with us today. And one of the first ones I want to say is the SUI panel, S-U-I, right? Find that one out. It's relatively a recent conversation. Very, very, very cool. And then also we have had a guest from Google and somebody who, who consults with Google and used to work for Google, and that's Julia Arndt. She has her own podcast, and it is, you may not be surprised to hear, it is called the stressed podcast and it's about her story of overcoming burnout right of not being treated like a whole person in that corporate environment but then being able to find that and reset that and work with some people also at Google who are able to create that space in a different way and then positively Dave last year in season four positively Dave was our go-to guy coming in all the time and talking to us about some great ways to bring in sort of a Buddhist Zen perspective to all the things that we can deal with he's not only an executive coach but he also for a long time was a VP with Starbucks and you know as he calls it that wonderful jolly green giant also a very big mega global corporation um, with all kinds of amazing pros and cons including a lot of these conversations that we're asking. So if you are in that workplace mindset and you want to hear some more about how people are moving and shifting and changing things without breaking things, because I really like that. I don't like the move fast and break things concept anymore. I like, you know, let's let's move um, at a great pace <laughs> and work together. We don't have to break things and leave things in our wake. But um, like getting back to our amazing conversation here with Christy, I want to ask you to share with all of us now a little bit more about some of the things in addition to job boards, right? In addition to like that um, uh, matchmaking that you'll do with the, the seeker and the, and the job poster, right? You're going to also share these ways that people can access like how to think differently, how to transition their thinking, right? What are the baby steps and what are the ways that we can identify how we think and get that broader picture? So give us a little more of detail of the, some of the other fun opportunities that are going to be here in this different app. For sure. So every day, is, I, I guess, uh, let me start back for, for a bit here. Okay. What we want to provide is content that helps to navigate the career pathway with a culturally sensitive and mental wellness at the center of it, um, which is really sort of brings it all back to, you know, you and I connecting here today. Yeah. It's not enough to just be a job seeker. We all know we spend so much of our life physically present in our job, even if we're, you know, working from home but also mentally present with our work. It is a major part of what we do. And so if it doesn't align with who we are, 
and what our values are as a, as a person, it can be very damaging to our mental health. Yeah. It's very hard. And here are all these examples that you're providing with your previous guests. It's very hard to be at uh, um, sort of a disconnect with yourself and your work. That those things need to be as aligned as possible in order to withstand a 40 or 50 year working career. Um, and so for us, Empower will provide access to career navigation, career coaching that is easily digestible, is culturally responsive, and is acknowledging some of these truths that are happening in the workplace, but is are difficult to talk about in a public forum. Yeah. You know, I, I recently started listening to Trevor Noah's podcast. They probably should be advertising other podcasts. Oh, it's fine. One, but yeah. <laughs> I just about, did too. It's he great. He talks about <laughs> um, his experience that people will say, well, I wouldn't say this publicly or I wouldn't oh. say this if I was being recorded, mm-hmm. but I really think X, Y, and Z. Right. And if we can't start having conversations and acknowledge perhaps the grief that somebody feels about their career not being what they expected it to be about the real cultural trauma that we have gone through using, let's use the COVID-19 pandemic as an example. What what did that really mean? What was the trauma that we collectively went through? What is, what is the aftermath of that? You know, if we can't really talk about sexism and racism and, you know, anti-Semitism in the workplace and, and in our lives, then, then we're missing that real conversation that allows for space and grace to acknowledge it and then move through it. But if Mm. we can't acknowledge it, if we can't talk about it, we won't be able to move through it. So the content, yes, is about identifying your skills. It's about what are career pathways that are, you know, at low risk for automation and have high wage earnings. Mm. You know, there's some of that nuts and bolts, but it's also about, seeing it in a much more comprehensive view that connects it to your life, connects it to who you are as, as an individual. And as a collective unit, there's a lot of power in seeing yourself in others. And you know, all of our content is small bite-sized content by real people and real stories. Mm-hmm. So these are people that look like our members, people with, you know, that are of different races, different ethnicities, different, different gender identification, that have had different career paths, different career arcs, so that it feels authentic. It it is authentic. It's real. Um, I like to use the analogy that it's sort of like if every day you took a walk and you picked up a stone as you passed by the riverbed and you put it in your front lawn and you did it every day for a year, by the time you got back after a year, you'd have a new front landscape. Right. You'd have a new design. It's, it's not just one stone. It's accessing this every day. It's having it be a part of your life every day. So the content is 30 seconds, two minutes. It's a daily gratification. It's uh, a quick infographic. It's content that can be absorbed, you know, as you're drinking your morning coffee, as you're sitting in the carpool line. Um, as you're waiting for your Zoom meeting to start, so that it's an integral part of your day to day. Because the truth is, all these messages and kind of goes back to like the shame I felt as somebody who stepped away from the workplace. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen in one day either. Right, it happened over my whole lifetime. 
you know, the messages I received as a young girl, the messages I received right. as a young woman, the message I received as, an, as a young mom, now as an old lady, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I was young a lot, and now uh, I'm not really young anymore. Um, <laughs> I guess it's relative. Yeah, I was going to say subjective. But, uh, <laughs> but um, those messages that, that, that you internalize as negative happen over time. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to sort of combat that and rewind that and overcome that, they need to happen over time too. And so it needs to become a daily part of your habit and your routine and your ritual that you're ingesting positive messages about yourself and your skills and your value. Um, that is sort of combating those societal messages that may be contributing to feelings of shame or um, not being worthy. Yeah. You know, one of the things I love about the content is that you said it's going to be intentionally short bites, right? That's the plan is to keep it um, so that it isn't overwhelming. If you already have so much you're doing, I mean, when you're job hunting, the last thing you want to do is basically like go get some extra degree on what you're trying to learn, right? But in 12 step, we have a saying that like you didn't, you know, because mine is for addiction, my 12 step group that I'm in. And so we say you didn't become addicted in a day. So easy does it because it's going to take you a while to, you know, we, the rest of the part, it just stops and easy does it. But the implication is, <laughs> yeah, you got a ways to go for it. <laughs> right? right. That's a little overwhelming. It's, it's, a, it's a day-to-day process. Yeah. It, it's Absolutely. One step at a time. Yeah, you know, things, it is. Things do take time. And, and before you know it, and that's why I like that analogy, before you know it, you have a beautiful design in your front yard yeah, of all of these I do too. all of these stones you correct, collected. Yeah. But each individual stone in and of itself may not feel monumental, but the collective activity over time really does make a change. I love these images that you share with us, right? Because it's uh, this is how I know this content's going to be great, Christy, because like you share this great these great visuals, these metaphors that they're simple and they make sense and they work on all the levels, right? So, um just congratulations, thank you. Thank <laughs> Keep you. that part coming. <laughs> So fun. One last time, just to remind you listeners that you are listening to WVLP and WVLP.org, 103.1 FM, or maybe you're at the podcast, anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio, um, which at some point you might be listening to that and saying, hey, that link doesn't work anymore because Spotify for podcasters is a much longer link that I don't like to say. So I haven't flipped that, but at some point it may not redirect. So if you're hearing that old one, I don't know, go to the show notes and we'll probably have an update. (laughs) But uh, I want to say that you're listening to it wherever you're listening to it and any podcast platform. And um, if you are listening to it online and you're like, what is this WVLP stuff? Uh, Our show is a community radio show first, and then we send it out to the rest of the world. And um, we love supporting Valparaiso, Indiana and Northwest Indiana and our wonderful Chicagoland area where Christy is also part of. We're this great big entity and um, part of the U.S. and part of the world. And we just do love to share the love. So if you also would like to support our little grassroots community and all these endeavors we're doing to bring mindfulness to all the places, then you can go to wvlp.org slash support and share the love in that way. So Christy Amendola of Empower and Minority Moves, uh, you are bringing this a wonderful perspective of somebody who um, was really forced to leave the workplace to focus on mothering as a verb because we just don't have this social setup to like stay whole people while we're serving our families. And I think that shows up in a lot of places and you're helping to change the conversation about it. And so I really can't wait for all those stones to pile up too. Let me just Thank say, you. as I rub Thank my you. hands like a super villain. <laughs> 
shift well, you know, the world. <laughs> you know, speaking of, you know, a society that doesn't really support that, you know, that's one of the conversations we have a lot with leaders of organizations and individuals looking for inclusive workplaces or what what benefits should you be looking for or what benefits should you be creating in your organization that that help to level that playing field and you yeah. know, looking at benefits to support caregivers is is one that we look at particularly um, you know I'll, I'll i'll tell a funny story about my daughter who came home one of the first weeks of school and was very upset because her teacher was going to go on paternity leave. Oh, right. And she was very disappointed that she was going to be missing her teacher for six weeks and thought, you know, this is so unfair. Why is he taking paternity leave? He yeah. didn't even have the baby. Oh, uh-huh. Said, <laughs> she is a, she's very feminist, a very uh-huh. identified feminist. Yeah. I said, well, you know, <laughs> if men don't take paternity leave, then women will always have that parenting tax. Yeah. There will never be sort of that equal playing field. Women will take time off because they had a child. Men will continue to work. And that is in part where that pay gap and that work history gap, that's where it begins. So I know yes. you're really frustrated that your male teacher is taking paternity leave, yeah. but it's the best thing for our society that yeah. he's leading in that way. Yeah. Because if both parents, all parents, take a leave of absence when a child is born or adopted, that equals the playing field. It does. And that's really powerful. Yes, I agree, right? Because then the consequence becomes like, oh, hang on a second. Not only are we having, you know, 50% of our workforce who's struggling with this, if, if, the company is 50% <laughs> each, right? But now it's now it's 100 or whatever those stats turn mm-hmm. out to be. Um, mm-hmm. So this is really great. And then I also want to say that Eric Stanley, who is the founder of the organization, he's an African-American man. And so the information that he brings to the table, right? You guys, I love how you're like, you're really bringing like these different perspectives in this way and they bring a really big picture. So I'm just wondering too, um, we haven't even had this, this conversation, so I don't know what the answer to this question is, but uh, (laughs) you know, how, where else have you resourced to get more of, of the perspectives and to share, you know, um, if there's any like ableist stuff or whatever I said, ableist stuff, cause that's how, That's what I got to say too. my, we talked about this at the beginning. I'm going to like throw this out here too. Like I'm totally in like mom garb at the minute that we're having this conversation. I said, I've got a new kitten and a kid with a fever and I'm also doing my day, right? I got the professionalism and all the things happening at one time and I've had no sleep. So you got some ableist stuff to share with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, that's, we really, we've, we spent a lot of time when we were first determining what we wanted to do and who we wanted to serve to identify what, what were the terms that we wanted to use and how do we want to identify those people's groups? So yeah. we use the term underestimated very intentionally mm, because for us, it incorporates really any individual who has felt as if they have had a diverse lived experience in the workplace yeah. and hasn't been recognized for their full potential or their full ability to contribute. So well, yeah. that, you know, that may be somebody, you know, that, that is, you know, that may be a black female, that may be a, you know, somebody who is transgender, that may be somebody who uh, has a disability, mm-hmm. um, that may be a parent, uh, that may be an immigrant, all of those identities that also may overlap, they might yes. intersect, right? You know, I, I listed, you know, a black female is the first, is the first one. Well, you know, they have their race that they are um, 
identifying with as well as identifying as a female. Those are two things that both exist separately and together. And for them, that's, that's part of their identity. You can't separate those. Uh, it was really important for us that people didn't have to just check a box. Because yeah. so often, you know, and Eric talks about this in his, his, his own story, never really feeling like he fit in anywhere, right? He, he, he never, he didn't fit in with one particular community better than another. And so he spent most of his life trying to navigate lots of different communities of people, but ultimately feeling alone most of the time, mm-hmm. feeling like the only most of the time. Mm. And so we really wanted to be intentional about creating a community where you can check one box, you can check eight boxes. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Do you identify with this feeling of being underestimated in the workplace? If the answer is yes, then we think you will benefit from being a member of Empower. And on the flip side, as a corporation, if you want to have a more diverse workforce that represents all people groups, different perspectives, different skill sets, then you will find those candidates within our platform. You know, and what I love about this too, Christy, is that that phrase underestimated also hits people who have been raised in and continue to live in lower economic status because mm-hmm. somebody can show mm-hmm. up and present fully as like, I've got all the power. Here I am, an Anglo-Saxon Protestant male, and I present as having all the power, but I've been raised, right, without like the luxuries that you think go to this group because... I have grown up with economic strife because I didn't have like, you know, a family with the two support system because I didn't get the education, right? Because I didn't get consistency in my living or whatever, right? Like lots and lots and lots of things that we know on a chart, a data graph would obviously really impact somebody, but they show up to a workplace and maybe seem to get the job, but still struggle with keeping the job, struggle with feeling Mm -hmm. accepted, feeling also interestingly feeling very othered even though they look like they're not right and so there are some really interesting um works of fiction and and biography that share that perspective that um listeners can find um hillbilly elegy for instance by jd vance right yeah really good one yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and and i think that's why the cost of covering can be so detrimental Mm -hmm. to most people um is this pressure to cover a part of your identity, whatever that is, yeah. to avoid judgment, to you know, avoid negative stereotypes, to to make it comfortable for others, um, that that really takes a toll on somebody's mental wellness. Over time, if you cover pieces of your identity, you can ultimately have the view that those things are something to be ashamed of. Right, they are something to be judged. Um, and, and so creating a workforce where it's not necessary to cover parts of your identity in order to be successful and productive engaged is really important. Yeah, it's so important. I just thank you for this work so much. Our conversation has been with Christy Amendola of Empower and Minority Moves. And, uh, the website again is m 2 inright.us and they're getting ready to call out for beta testers so that's very exciting I'm really excited it's I hope very exciting yeah I hope you'll come back I hope you'll keep us posted on when that happens I hope you'll come back and give us the report and the update and let us know especially when you're ready for the next one um, I'm very excited to, to support you in changing the conversation and creating this equity thank you so much Christy Amendola thank you we'll see you later meditators <laughs>